Welcome to the Every Day is Saturday podcast. The number one motivation show on the planet. No more Mondays for you. It's time to make every day Saturday. Boom! This is the podcast where we help you to accept who you are, not where you are. On the roller coaster of life, you know we only sit in the front seat champion. So make sure you are fastened in. Let's go. Tired of feeling run down all the time during the week? We can help you make every day feel like it's a Saturday. Let's go pack your bags. It's time to leave Averageville. Introducing the man who thinks abnormal stands for above normal. When you're on fire, people will travel from miles around to watch you burn, baby. We are fired up. The host of the Every Day is Saturday show, Sam Crowley. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Every Day is Saturday podcast. Not just any podcast. I got Hal Hal Elrod. Hal, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Sam. Uh, My understanding is that this is this the first full length episode or did I make that up? All right. Hal steals Sam's thunder at the beginning. (laughs) All right. All right. Good stuff. Hal, you totally ruined my intro. Like that was that was five minutes of me building this up. Okay, all right. All right. Just for everyone, pretend I didn't say it. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So, hey, for those of you listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all over 226 countries, we are doing a video podcast of Every Day is Saturday. Hal, I have to ask you, this is the very first, after 18 years, the very first video podcast. Now, I'll, I'll give you your marriage. I'll give you the birth of your children as yeah. big, life, big life events. Where does this yeah. rank? I mean, I think it's one of those things, like a lot of things in life, that it won't. I won't really grasp the um, the gravity of this until I look back when I'm older. I think that's kind of where I'm at. So it's like I'm in the moment. It seems surreal. It's like, is this really happening? Yeah. Um, am I really looking at Sam on video? So I think that I think we won't really know until we're old and laughing about that first podcast we ever did together that led to a lifelong friendship. <laughs> well, don't let the moment be too big for you, Hal. Okay. Okay. Don't let, let me give me, let me do, let me do some breath. I'm going to do some breath work real quick. <laughs> All right. So let me give this guy a proper introduction. I know you saw the intro. Hal Elrod, uh, author, speaker, podcaster, over 2 million books sold worldwide. I mean, holy cow. If we were going to have one guest to kick this video podcast series, that's going to be going until I'm 97 years old. It has to be a guy like this. So he's the author of The Miracle Morning. You've probably heard about him. If you haven't, you really need to. We'll give you all the contact information at the end of the podcast. But Hal, it is awesome to have you on the show, dude. I appreciate it, man. And you're, you know, you're, you've been doing this since 2005, which I have hard, like, I don't, I'm, I don't know if you know this. I'm pretty sure podcasting didn't exist in 2005. So I don't know what you were doing back then, but I don't even think, I don't, I don't know. I don't, well, I just, I never, I didn't, way. I don't hurt, never heard of it back then. So, um, I put think you were just way. talking into a mic and maybe like sending it to some friends and family and being like, Hey, I'm a podcaster. But anyway, I'm sorry. I just out of my, <laughs> that's exactly what was going on. I was recording audios in the master bedroom closet of our house hoping nobody would listen so yeah. if that is how everybody should start their podcasting career praying nobody ever hears your voice so yeah. 20 million uh, yeah, downloads man. later man sam congratulations in all seriousness i know we've been just joking this whole time but um in all seriousness like what you're not only what you've done is remarkable for yourself but that you're paying it forward and that you've turned it into you know a, a podcast and courses and programs and stuff to help other people do you know find their voice and and make an impact in the world and uh so yeah so thank you for all that you're doing and, and how you've led by example yeah man my pleasure i love doing it just like you do, love doing what you do as well the speaking and the coaching and the training that you do well you know we're going to dive into all that we have to address one other elephant in the room and then we'll dive into the serious talk okay okay couple dudes with an eight dollar haircut wearing black shirts on video Hal, you got to back me up on it. We did not talk before this interview at all. No, it's funny though. When we started, when we did start talking, I'm like, we kind of look like twins a little bit, but no, yeah. but I did. I think that you were wearing a black shirt the last time I talked to you. And, um, I, uh, and you said we were both wearing black shirts and I had to clarify that this is Heather gray. It is. Oh, it's, I yeah. used to wear black, but my wife's like, you wear the same black, like you need more color. So I went from black to Heather gray and I feel a little bit more lively now. Hey, do you think there's something to that? Like, you know, the old adage, you know, Steve Jobs always wore a black shirt. Mark Zuckerberg always wore the same shirt. 
Um, I'm talking more about simplifying your routine. Um, you know, the adage with those guys, the folklore about Steve Jobs was he just didn't want to have any make any decisions, just wore the same shirt all the time. Zuckerberg's yep. the same way. A lot of people do that. Do you think there's something in that just not just a shirt, but just simplifying your life or simplifying your routine? Um, I, I think so, and I think it probably depends on the person. I mean, I think that some people maybe are, you know, I, some people wear extravagant, colorful clothing, and they're they're crushing it in life, right? So I don't think it's an either or. Um, I think that, but I think that you know, if you're like for me, I don't like to have to. It, it is that decision fatigue, and I don't have to. I don't like making the decision on what I'm going to wear because I overthink it, and I'm like, wait, I might need this shirt next week. Maybe it's a better fit for Thursday. Like I, I used to go crazy. <laughs> And, and I have to tell you a really funny story about the Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg um, uh, wearing the same clothes every day. I didn't know they did that. I mean, I, I guess I knew it. Like if someone asked me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. But I, I, uh, I, I bought 23 of the same, the same black shirt. This was a few years back. And I was talking to my friend. I was like, I think I'm going to record like a podcast or write like a blog post about wearing the same thing every day and how it simplifies your life. And they're like, Dude, you're not the first person to do that. <laughs> I'm like, who who else do you know that does that? They're like Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who's that? Exactly. Oh, you're right. Oh, never mind. I'm not, I would have looked like a real goober if I was like, hey, everybody, check out this revolutionary thing that I created. And uh, it's wearing a black shirt every day. Uh. I love it. You know, speaking of that, that's a great topic as well. A lot of people get stuck when they start, especially in the entrepreneurial journey. I want to be a podcaster. I want to be a speaker. I want to be an author. Uh, someone else has already talked about that, though, mm. Hal. I mean, come mm. on. I, th mm. that, that's already been done. It's saturated. Your thoughts on that? You know, that's a great segue into if we want to talk about the Miracle Morning because, yeah, when, you know, the Miracle Morning is a morning routine made up of six of the world's most timeless personal development practices that people have been doing for centuries. So as an, as trying to like, I discovered this routine or I created this routine. I assembled these practices. It was like the ultimate morning ritual. But when I was writing the book, I struggled with a, I'm, I'm not the first person to write a book about morning routines. Um, there was a gal, Laura Vanderkam, I think, that wrote what successful people do in the morning. And that, you know, and I, I read that book when I was writing mine to like kind of research. And there was a couple other. And then, you know, Robin Sharma spoke. He had this 5 a.m. club concept, which wasn't a book back then. That book came out uh, just a couple years ago, long after Miracle Morning. But, but the point is, I didn't invent morning routines. I didn't invent meditation. I didn't invent affirmations, nor visualization, nor exercise, nor reading, nor journaling. And so I'm like, how am I going to write this book in a way that is, that is really valuable for people, but also is valuable and also not, not just a ripoff of other stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think, and here's the solution, by the way. So while none of the things I just mentioned, morning routines, meditation, affirmations, none of those are new, um, it's the packaging and the presentation, so if you're taking notes, mm. write that down. It's the packaging. Actually, there's three things. It's your story plus the packaging plus the presentation, right? Um, and so the Miracle Morning, uh, the way that I wrote about it in the book, and I think it was just coming from a place where I was someone who was not a morning person, then, be, then overcame that limiting belief that I didn't think I could become a morning person. And then when I became a morning person, um, so that was number one. It was like, how, how did I do that? Because yeah. I know there's millions upon millions upon millions of people that don't believe they could ever be morning people like I was. So what are, what's the simplest path to go from I've tried, I've never been a morning person my whole life, I'm a night owl, to not only how do you get from point A to point B where you're waking up and starting your day in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state so you can just crush the day, win the day, um, so not only how do you do it, how the hell do I convince people that they should do it? Because in their mind, it's unpleasant. It's uncomfortable. It's out of their comfort zone, right? So that was the first thing, right? And so it was, okay, if, you're, if, you, have, if, you're, if you have a concept or a, 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 that you're teaching, how do you present it in a way that actually gets people to take action? Because think about this. The majority of books, podcasts, seminars, you name it, don't actually get people to take action. Like, think about it this way. And we can all relate to this, Sam. In fact, I'd love your thoughts on this. Yep. Um, most people, 
when we buy a book to change our lives, right? We want to change whatever area of our lives. We buy a book and most books change our thinking, right? You're reading the book and you're like, oh my God, whoa, mind blown. That's, I'm gonna dog ear that page. That's in that, I've never looked at the world that way, right? I've never thought of myself that way. And then you go next and you keep reading and reading and reading. Here's the problem. You get to the end of the book it was a great book while you read it. You told your friends about it while you were reading. Oh my God, this book, man, I, my, man, I read this thing this morning, mind blown. But then you get to the end of the book and if it didn't change your behavior in a meaningful way, which most books don't, then all you do at the end of a book is you start another book. Yeah. And now that next book is the best book you've ever read. And it goes yeah. on and on and on and people don't make meaningful changes in their life. So the biggest question you can ask with your content is how can you actually change people's behavior in a way that is meaningful and sustainable? And that was my North Star, the entire mm -hmm. Miracle Morning book. There was a few. How do I make this entertaining so people enjoy reading it? How do I make it page turner so they just keep wanting to keep reading? But most importantly, how do I make this book everything about it designed to guide people to change their behavior, actually wake up 15, 20, 30 minutes, 60 minutes earlier and implement these six practices that it doesn't matter if you know about them. If you're not meditating every day, doing affirmations, visualizing, exercising, journaling, and reading, you're missing out on the benefits of the six most timeless, proven personal development practices in the history of humanity. And so that's the long answer to the question, right? Is like, if you have, it doesn't matter if other people, yeah, how to make more money. There's new books coming out every day, new podcasts yeah. coming out every day. And, and it's about the, the person behind it, right? You ever see the movie Top Gun 2? Oh, yeah, of course. One yeah. of the greatest cinematic experiences in, in, in the history of cinematic experiences. Amen, um, right, but, but if you remember... They were talking about the enemy has a much more advanced fighter plane than you do, right? You're flying the F-18. That thing's that's a, that's old technology. More than ever, it's the man or woman in the box that's going to determine the outcome of this mission. It's the man or woman behind the microphone that's going to determine the outcome of your podcast, or behind the keyboard that's going to determine the outcome of your book. Mm. Mm, I love that, dude. Well, anytime you reference Top Gun, you're going to get my... my dude, ear. if I could get so. a Top Gun 2 reference in. That's actually my first one ever, So, but I'm, I'm hooked now. I actually am... I'm, I'm every, every episode, I want to somehow work Top Gun 2 in. You, and you if you haven't seen the movie, it's more yeah. important than possibly reading The Miracle Morning. Go see Top Gun 2. Almost as... Almost. Almost. As, almost. almost. Now, Order the book and then go grab the movie. Yeah. You saw uh, Top Gun 1, right? If not, we got to hit the eject button. And end of course, movie, of right? course. Okay, all right, I yeah. just want to make sure. That came yeah. out when I was uh, my freshman year of college, and I literally, I thought I was just going to be a fighter pilot. I didn't, now, shortly thereafter, I was asked to leave the Pennsylvania State University, but, you know, yeah. I thought then, you know, I was going to have a really great career as a fighter pilot. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so when you think about that, you know, and you think about everything that you accomplish. My mind goes to the inner voice. So when I first launched Every Day is Saturday, I was in the middle of a bankruptcy. I just quit mm. my job, mm. launched a franchise, lost everything in nine months, which I think is, it's got to be a world record. Went bankrupt in nine months buying a franchise. I'm the one guy. You ever see the infomercial with nine out of 10 of these work? I'm the one. <laughs> I'm the one. So if you ever need to know somebody famous, I'm that one guy the franchise never worked for. Nice. So I had to go what back to What was the franchise? Job. What was it? Quiznos, hell. Quiznos <laughs> subs, yes. I mean, I would think that'd be a slam dunk, but okay. Thanks. Maybe you should have done Subway, I, I, right? I mean, maybe, yeah. Uh, looking back, that. hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the feedback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'll frame it for you. I'm running a $90 million division. I got uh, 80 or so direct reports. Worked my way up the corporate ladder 15 years, and I quit because my daughter wanted every day to be Saturday. So I gave this big speech, and I was like, hey, I'm going for my dream. Every day is going to be Saturday. Went broke. Had to go back and give a speech. Hey, guys, I'm back. Not really running this show. I'm making 39 grand. They're sitting me in a cubicle, and I'm reporting to everybody who used to report to me. Okay. Mm. And that's when I launched the podcast because I figured, damn, I can't get any lower than this. But here's yeah. the thing. And this is where I wanted to play off what you were just saying. Uh, writing a book, launching a podcast, creating any kind of content, the inner voice gets in your head. I'm sure at some point you're like, who the hell am I? I'm Hal. Like, totally. I'm not a, 
I'm not a best-selling author. So this goes through people's mind like, I can't be Hal. I mean, Hal's up here. There's no way I'm going to be that. I'm just Susie Smith from Omaha, Nebraska. So I appreciate the kind words, Hal, but I ain't you, dude. My inner voice is way too big for that. You Don't you know that I'm broke? Don't you know that I don't have a following, Hal? Have you been plugged in? Don't you know all the adversity I've had? There's no way anybody's going to listen to what I have to say. Sam, I'm so glad you told me that story. I knew a little bit of it, but but it we we have a very similar story. Um, so if I could tell the quick origin yeah. story of the Miracle Morning, um, it was 2000. So in 2006, I hit Hall of or sorry 2005, I hit Hall of Fame with the company Cutco. I had been with Cutco for six years, and I was inducted into the Hall of Fame as one of their top sales reps. Um, but I had been in a car accident when I was 20. I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. I was found dead at the scene. I broke 11 bones. I suffered permanent brain damage. And when I came out of a coma six days later, they said I would never walk again. Now, I was a year and a half into my Cutco career at that time. I had given a speech that night before the car accident. Um, Came out of the coma. And within a couple of weeks, I started to imagine... The future, well, I mean, immediately out of the coma, I'm thinking, oh, what if I never walk again? But I started to think, okay, I'm going to walk again. I'm going to figure this out. Um, but, but why did this happen to me? You know the old adage, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I think that it's taken, I think we miss the point when we think the reason is out of our control. Meaning, everything happens for a reason, but you and I get to decide what that reason is. It could be because life sucks, it's unfair, and horrible things happen, and the world's a terrible place. And if that's the reason you choose, that is your reality, and that's what you live from. Or you can say, this happened to me because I'm, like for me, when I had my car accident, I believe I'm supposed to learn and grow from this. I'm supposed to overcome it. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, you know how ever since I started speaking at these Cutco events, I told you I wanted to be like a, like a motivational speaker? And he goes, yeah. I said, maybe that's why this happened. Because I had a pretty easy life up until this point. Like you and mom were great parents and I had a pretty normal childhood. And, you know, I mean, I was bullied like everybody. But um, I said, maybe I'm supposed to take this car accident head on. You know, pardon the pun on my, I was hit head on by a drunk driver. But now yeah. I'm supposed to go out and take it head on. And I'm supposed to be as positive and proactive as I can be and overcome this so that I can then go share my story and the lessons that I learn along the way to other people to overcome their adversity. Right. Mm, so, so that's good. the reason that I chose that it happened. And so everything stemmed from there. And I decided I, I'm going to go back to Cutco. I'm, I want to be, I want to achieve, you know, the hall of fame and, and however long that takes. But ultimately I want to create something from scratch. I don't want to sell someone else's product. And there's nothing wrong with that. I have friends that are still selling Cutco that I started with at 18 and they're 43 now. Like, and, yeah. and I tell them all the time, dude, it's a great product. It's a great you know, occupation. But for me, there was something inside me that's like, I, I, I meant to use my experience to help other people. And mm-hmm. now fast forward to 2008, the economy uh, was starting to get a little wonky. I had left Cutco in 2006. I had started, uh, written my first book, Taking Life Head On. Um, I had uh, started my speaking career, which was very slow going. I'm speaking, you know, I'm getting like 200 bucks here, 300 bucks there, you know, once a month, maybe, right? Um, And my main source of income, I had launched a coaching business because I thought, what have I done that I'm qualified to teach others? At this point, I've just sold a lot of a product. Yeah. Like that's my, my superpowers. I know how to just, I know how to be really authentic and energetic and excited. And, 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 you know, I I've gotten good at selling products. And so I'm going to coach other people to do that. And so I had built that within a couple of years to an $80,000 a year business. So I had bought my first house in 2006, my, you know, I bought a home. So I'm living the dream. If you will, I've got a successful business. I'm engaged to be married. Um, we're planning, you know, we're going to get, we're going to immediately get married and have a baby. Like we got the whole thing planned and the economy starts to crash. And I'm such an optimist that I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe, I won't pay attention to it. I won't accept it. And people are saying like, Hal, aren't you, are you watching the news? I go, dude, I don't watch the news. I create my own economy. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam, you might relate to this, but I always say there's a fine line between optimism and delusion, right? Yeah. I mean, there really is. And I cross it often, but, um, so I thought I'm like, I'm, 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 I, you know, I, I'm going to be positive. Well, uh, within six months, I lost over half of my coaching clients. 
actually within, sorry, within three months, over half of my coaching clients, therefore over half of my income. Now, like most people, I spent just about as much money as I made, right? So, that, so there wasn't a lot of breathing room. So when I lost half my income, I had to pick and choose. I either pay my mortgage, I pay for groceries, I pay the car payment, right? I mean, that's where I was at. Yep. And so in a six-month period following that, I, um, uh, my house was foreclosed on by the bank. Um, I had canceled my gym membership. My body fat percentage tripled. I was in the worst shape of my life physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. I was living on credit cards. I went from being debt-free Dave Ramsey student to $52,000 on my personal credit card. So almost 10 grand a month being charged on, you know, on credit. And, um, I, I was depressed. I was scared. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was getting ready to move back in with my dad after I, you know, I had built this business, been hall of famer, lived my dream. And now everything's crashing down. And so when you told your story, I'm like, wow, we have really similar stories and, um, long story, not a little less long. Um, I went on a run, a friend of mine li- recommended that I listen to a Jim Rohn audio. I called my friend, John. I said, John, I'm struggling, man. I don't know what to do. I haven't really told anybody because I'm embarrassed. I, like I, you know, I'm supposed to be a success coach and I'm failing miserably. Like I'm a fraud. I don't know what to do. And he said, are you exercising every day? I said, no, but I don't know what in the hell that has to do with any of my financial challenges. I just told you about dude. Well, what, what are you, are you even listening to me? Are you playing a game on your phone? And, yeah. uh, he said, no, 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 I'm being serious. He said, if you're just sitting in front of your computer all day and you're stationary, he said, you are not moving your body and getting blood and oxygen to your brain so that you're in a peak physical, mental, and emotional state so that you can solve your problems. He said, your energy, if you're not exercising, that low energy level is going to keep you stuck. I went, oh, okay. I said, so what do you suggest I do? He said, I suggest you go for a run every day. I said, I hate running. What else could I do? And he said, yeah. Hal, what do you hate worse? And I want everybody to listen to this because this is an important question. He said, what do you hate worse? Running. Now for you, it might not be running. It might be, you know, getting out of your house. It might be putting your, getting out of your pajama. Well, I don't know what it is. Start your podcast, right? It might be your fear. What do you hate worse? Running, your fear. What do you hate worse? Running or the circumstances that you just described to me, Hal? Mm. And I went, Damn. Okay, that's, that's sobering. Um, I guess it's the circumstances. I'll go for a run. And he suggested I listen to a Jim Rohn audio. And the Jim Rohn audio, Jim said, your level of success, and again, if you're listening, really listen, because this quote changed my life. And to this day, it's the foundation of the miracle morning. It's the foundation for a lot of how I live my life. And Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And he went on to say, that is because your success is something you attract by the person that you become. And in that moment, I stopped running and I replayed it and I went, wait a minute. And I immediately the way my brain works, it quantified it. I went, and if you're right now listening again, um, or watching, I forgot, Sam, it's your first video podcast. Do people are watching this? Hey, you're going, man. Keep going. I'm, 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 I'm watching this back myself as a consumer of the content. Are awesome. All right. So um, the, uh, where was I going? Where was I going with that? Well, the Jim Rohn quote. Jim Rohn quote. Thank you. Um, quote. I do suffer from brain damage. The struggle is real. So I would please make sure you're paying attention. Uh, the, uh, so the Jim Rohn quote, right? I, I, went, I quantified it and I went, if we're measuring success. So I asked myself, okay, if my level of success will seldom exceed my level of personal development, What's my level of success right now? And what's my level of personal development? What level of success do I want? And the success, if we're, if we're being honest, I think everybody wants level 10 success on a scale of one to 10. I've never met anyone that's like, oh, I don't want to be too happy or I don't want too much money. Like, I think there's an innate drive inside of all of us to fulfill our potential and create the most exceptional, wonderful, beautiful life that we possibly can. Yet most of us wake up every day and life just kind of stays the same because we stay the same. And so I went, okay, I want level 10 success. And then I asked the second part of the question, what's my level of personal development? And I encourage you to ask yourself that right now. And let me define personal development for context. It's your current mental and emotional well-being. It's your habits and rituals and routines. It's your level of confidence, self-belief. It's basically who you are as a person right now compared to how you would imagine yourself at a level 10. And when I answered that question, Sam, it was 
my level of personal development is like at a two or a three, like maybe a, you know, a four on a good day. And I went, that's the disconnect for most people. Everybody wants level 10 success up here. But if our level of personal development is down here, there's a huge disconnect. And the secret to success is that if you want to achieve more in your life, it's not about doing more. Yes, if you're not doing anything, you got to do something. But the real secret is it's about becoming more. When you focus time every day, ideally in the morning, right? You dedicate time to becoming a better version of who you were when you went to bed the night before. Then as you go from being at a level two or three or four or five to a six and a seven and a 7.4 and a two, right? And they get better and better and better every day. You become more capable of, of creating the circumstances that you want in your life. And so I woke, I went that, that day, I went, what do the world's most successful people do for personal development? I Googled this, I did a search. I had six practices. I named them earlier, meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. And I went, none of these are new. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for something new because our society has been conditioned to think we need something new, right? We want the new iPhone. We want to watch the new movie. We need the new course, the new, right? Oh, we discount things that we've heard before, which is so silly. Because if you've heard it before, the only thing that matters is not have you heard it, it's are you doing it? Yeah. And I went, I'm not meditating every day. I'm not doing affirmations. I'm not visualizing. I'm not exercising. I'm not reading and I'm not journaling. And then the breakthrough was, I don't know which one of these is the best, but what if I just did all of them? Mm. What if I woke up 30 minutes earlier the next day and did five minutes of each of these timeless practices? I woke up the next morning. I didn't know how to do them very well, but I felt like it was the best day I had had in the previous six months. I felt like... If I start every day with this much energy and clarity and motivation, it's only a matter of time before I become the best version of myself, that level 10 version to create the level 10 success I want. And it happened, I was thinking it would be maybe a year away. In less than two months, Sam, I more than doubled my income in a worsening economy. I went from being out of shape to committing to run a 52-mile ultra marathon that I completed six months later, and my depression went away on day one. And I went to my wife and I said, sweetheart, this morning routine has changed our lives. In less than two months, here's all the things that have happened. It feels like a freaking miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. And yeah. the rest is history. <laughs> wow, man. No, that, there's so much to unpack that we're never going to get through. I have so many questions. I, I'm never going to get through them. So all right, I'm going to try love... to give you shorter answers. That's my, 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 my no, I don't want challenge is I, I am long-winded. No, 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 no. I don't want the shorter answers because there was so much right there that, you know, that could be a podcast in and of itself, the last five minutes, 10 minutes or whatever you just shared, because I think it's so powerful. When you say, John, I assume you're talking about your buddy, John Berghoff. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 How do you know now, John Berghoff? I watched the movie, man. Oh, nice. There you I go. Okay. The okay. Movie. Come on. The Miracle. Good man. Uh, yeah. The Miracle Morning movie. Everybody needs to watch it. How, I, I, first of all, right now, station identification, we're talking to my buddy, Hal Elrod from the Miracle Morning. Uh, the very first, and Hal just said it. If you missed it, let me recap. He said this is the defining moment of his life, uh, being on the very first Everyday Saturday video podcast. I'm just paraphrasing what he said. I'm, we can watch it back, but not a big it's, deal. It's close to word for word. Yeah. Um, where can – first of all, I want everybody to watch that movie. So there's, I'll send them to the Miracle Morning website, but I really – I watched that movie, dude, and I was just, just taken aback by that journey and how you captured it. But John Berghoff was in the movie, and he's a buddy of yours. And I want to go back to that because I want to talk about the power of the people that either enable you or inspire you that you have in mm. your life, okay? But where can people watch that movie, for example? Yeah, if you go to MiracleMorning.com and you scroll down, I think it's like right toward the top of the website. You put your name and email in, and you'll um, immediately get a link to watch the, the full documentary. And it features some really extraordinary people. Um, Robert Kiyosaki and Mel Robbins and Lewis Howes and Brendan Burchard, a lot of world-famous authors, Layla Ali, the uh, daughter of Muhammad Ali, an 18-time world champion boxer. There's scientists in there talking about morning routines, and then it follows <laughs> unintentionally halfway through filming the movie, I was diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive form of cancer, acute mm -hmm. lymphoblastic leukemia, which has a 20 to 30% survival rate. 
So two years into filming, I'm told that there's a 70 to 80% chance that I was going to die. Um, when I went to the hospital, uh, I spent 11 days in the hospital trying to figure out what was wrong with me. My organs were failing. My heart was failing. My kidneys were failing and my lung was failing. And, um, and they gave me again, 20 to 30% chance of surviving. And I called our director of the movie, Nick Conadera. I said, Nick, dude, you'll, you'll never believe it. I'm starting chemo tomorrow. I'm in the hospital with cancer. Uh, I got to put the movie on hold. I got to focus on my healing. And he was there. He was supportive. You know, he's a friend of mine. And um, and then he finally said, Hal, I don't want you to like. I hope this doesn't come off as insensitive, but I don't think the movie should stop. I need to film you beating cancer because this is the movie now. Mm. And I went, Oh, uh, let me talk to Ursula, my wife. You know, let me. Let, let, I I don't know about you coming and filming me beating. You know, or in the hospital and. Thankfully, Nick got his way because, I mean, you saw the movie, you know, one hour yeah. into it, it's one movie. And then all of a sudden, it, it's a completely different movie the last 30 minutes that kind of ties the two together. And yeah, man. Yeah. So MiracleMorning.com is the place you can, you can watch the movie, you know, the books, the app. I mean, every, everything's there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, so getting back to John, um, the what, because the reason I, I'm always, I'm very protective of my inner circle, almost mm. to a fault. My wife, my wife has told me, you have no friends. I said, I know I don't have any friends. But that's not a bad thing, okay? <laughs> I, I don't have any friends here. I, I do have golfing buddies now. So I joined a country club a couple of years ago because I hadn't played golf. Once you have four kids, you'll get it. You don't yeah. spend six hours away from the house when your wife is raising four kids. So that's right, yeah. Unless now that you want I have an daughter, angry wife. <laughs> yeah, and not a happy household. No harmony yeah. in that household. If you have a low handicap, you don't have a happy household, okay? <laughs> I like um, the correlation. But I have a, a daughter graduated UC, another daughter at college, daughter at the senior, and our eight-year-old. So it's a little bit more time. But getting back to the friends part and, and Jim Rohn and kind of tying those together, one of the, a really great Jim Rohn quote that everybody's probably heard is you're the product of the four people that you hang around. So when people really – it's been my experience in speaking to individuals that they're really talked out of their dream a lot by the people who really haven't dared to really dream very big. You know, and yeah. they're viewing they're viewing it through the lens that they see. I mean, they're friends. They haven't accomplished much or done much and really don't want to do much. So they're looking at life through the lens that they have talking you, Hal, out of your dream. John didn't do that. John's like, hey, buddy, get your ass going. Let's you know, let's get this thing going. Can you speak to how important it is to have the John Berghoffs in your life? It's arguably the single most important determining factor in your in almost every area of your life. Because it, you're, let's start with happiness. If you hang out with people that complain all the time about what's wrong in the world, that is going to direct your focus to what's wrong in the world, and it is going to affect your mental and emotional well-being. It can. And then it's going to train you to focus on what's wrong in the world. If yeah. all of your friends um, you know, are settling for mediocrity in terms of their finances – and they're not, you know, they're not earning much money and they're always complaining about the bills and this and that and they're not doing anything to improve their financial situation, you're not going to be prompted or inspired to do anything different and you will struggle financially just like they do. On the other hand, let's say all your friends are earning, you know, six figure or whatever you would consider a, a substantial income. Even if you enter that circle of friends earning far less, they're thinking the way they talk about money, right? It's going to impact your thinking, but this time in a positive way and your income. Will, now you're going to see new opportunities where your other group, friend group that was complaining about money, right? There were no opportunities that were in your visibility. Now this new friend group is like, oh my gosh, maybe I can make more money like them. If they can do it, I can do it too. But if there's nobody in your life where you're looking at going, if they can do it, I can do it too. And you're only looking at, man, what they're doing, I don't want to do. You're, that's, a, that's a problem. So actually, there's a whole section in the Miracle Morning where I talk about that one of the single determining factors is your circle of influence. And so now that's great to hear, but you're like, well, uh, what, what do I do? I got my friends, right? Yeah. You have to, this is, it's one of them, because it's one of the most important aspects of your success, it's something you have to fully commit to being proactive about. Right. And, and I would start with, you know, I would Google how to upgrade your circle of influence. Right. I would, mm -hmm. I would, I would Google, I would go find a book on how to, you know, attract other people, how to win friends and influence people. If you want to go old school, right. Or mm -hmm. a great new book, by the way. So, so old school would be how to win friends and influence people. One of the best new books on this topic, I, I'm in the middle of it right now is called what's in it for them by Joe Polish, the, uh, the founder of genius network. Yeah. 
So, so I mean, get that book. Get that book. What's in it for them? And Joe Polish, he was he used to be a a drug addicted carpet cleaner, and now he makes I, I don't know how many millions of dollars a year, and he's friends with Richard Branson and Peter Diamandis, and I mean all you know, like he's literally known as one of the most connected guys in the world. So that's the guy whose book you want to read. What's in it for them on? how to, you know, how to do what he's done, which is go from having a terrible circle of influence, a bunch of drug addicts, right? No offense to drug addicts, but, but right? And now world-class entrepreneurs and world changers. Um, yeah, so, so it's one of the most important things you can put your inner, literally, it needs to be in your written goals. Mm. In your written goals, upgrade the people, you know, my circle of influence. Um, and, and by the way, it doesn't mean that you have to cut all your friends out of your life, but you can be and you should be intentional about how much time and energy and attention you invest into certain relationships. And the last thing I'll say on this, I was at an event with Brendan Burchard years ago. Brendan Burchard is the author of the book, High Performance Habits and many others. Um, Brendan was taught, he gave an exercise and I did it and it was really, really enlightening. He said, it's on this topic. And he said, make, make two lists of your friends. He said, you can do one piece of paper, draw a line down the middle and write down on one side, your maintenance friends. And on the other side, write down your growth friends. He said, your maintenance friends are the friends that aren't, that aren't where you want to be right? They're not challenging themselves. They're not pushing themselves. They're not learning and growing and evolving and striving for the best they can be. Those are your maintenance friends. Might be friends from high school. Could be your neighbor, whatever, right? Yep, yep. Um, and then your growth friends are the friends that are either where you want to be or have that same drive within them. They've talked, you know, they, they talk about it, man, we got to get out. We got to, we got to improve. We got to, we got to get better. We got to, you know, I want to change my life, right? Those are the people. And then now that you've got that list, you have a clear cut, distinct um, list of, okay, I'm going to invest less time and energy into my maintenance friends, just enough to maintain them. And I'm going to invest more time and energy into my growth friends to grow those relationships. Yeah. That, boy, that is so true. That was one of the hardest things for me because, you know, I was always at happy hour, always chasing the skirts, always going to the next party when I was in corporate, you know. And then when I changed, and I'll tell you when that happened, I went to a seminar, uh, Russ Whitney, Blast from the Past. You I remember Russ estate. Whitney real estate, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think I bought Russ, his course like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, me, probably a lot of people yeah, in our space yeah. did. So they had one of these cattle call things happening in downtown Cincinnati. Hey, we have one ticket for you and a guest. Come on by. Sure. Well, it was a rainy night on a Wednesday in downtown Cincinnati. A uh, guy was working with, hey, you want to go over to this real estate seminar? Like, yeah, nothing else to do. Are we going to have beer? You know, are we going to happy hour? <laughs> you know? Uh, it's like, yeah, maybe after. So anyway, I was moved. I was sitting in the front row, had a suit on. So I was the mark. If you've ever spoke from stage, you know the people that are going to buy your product before you ever even, before there's ever a <laughs> nice. table rush. So I was the guy that ran to the back of the room, bought the seminar, had never bought a seminar in my life. This was 2002. Went to, they came back in a month. It was a thousand bucks. I thought that was like a ridiculous amount of money to go to a seminar. Sure. Here's what happened. Over those three days, uh, they made us buy Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'd never heard of the book. Never even really heard of entrepreneurship at all. As stupid as that sounds, I'm just telling you what it was. And Think and Grow Rich. So I I went to, I bought Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm like, what a stupid title. My God, what is this crap we got? I'm not reading. I paid you for the seminar. What the hell am I doing reading a book? You know? Now I got homework. Jeez. Yeah. Come on, man. So I started, I opened the book and started like, oh, oh. long story short, I, I, I'm not even a reader. Like I got 20 college credits, most of them are gym and health class. So it's not like I'm the guy that's challenging anybody intellectually, you know? So yeah, I yeah. got through the book in a weekend. I'm the guy that bought 40 rental properties in the next two years as with no money down by learning. Wow. I went to Russ's Millionaire University. I went to another uh, no money down boot camp. I was hooked. Like I kept buying these seminars. And the reason I'm sharing the story is because um, when you were talking about just getting information, okay, that's good. Not as good as actually doing something with that information. And that's when I was introduced to personal development, which I had no idea what that term even meant. And the yeah. guy's like, just yeah. trust me, read the book. And yeah. one of my highlights of my life, and I know you owe Robert Kiyosaki as well, because I saw him in the movie. In 2015, I was speaking out of the event in LA, and he was there as well. And we're both in the green room, like, oh my God, oh my God, do I even approach him? Because I don't want to be the D bag that goes up to a speaker and says, hey, you know, you changed yeah. my life. 
very gracious. I said, hey, look, dude, I just got to get this out there to you. Okay, I'm sure you heard this a thousand times, all right? But your book literally changed my life. So I just want to shake my hand, shake your hand. And oh, by the way, can we get a picture? <laughs> and he was very gracious. I'm sure he's heard it a million times. So that is the power. You never know whose life you're going to impact. So with the Miracle Morning, you have billions of testimonials. You got reviews all over Amazon. I mean, this book, when you first started this book, um, I'm sure you knew it would help somebody, okay? But the, when I watched the movie and I saw the video testimonials, because that's really powerful to me, because when I see a written testimonial, oh, it's powerful, but a video testimonial has so much emotion behind it. And then yeah. you, you, you take this concept, you, you're getting up in the morning, nothing new. I wrote them down, like silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. That's the Savers yeah. Miracle Morning. Did you have any idea, dude? I mean, any idea that this thing was going to just go like the space shuttle off into personal development world? No, and no, so not at all. It was something. So I started doing my miracle morning, and then a couple weeks into it, or maybe a month or two into it, um, this gal, Katie uh, Haney, she's my coach, she was my coaching client. She said, Hal, I, I keep reading about morning routines as it pertains to success and all these successful people talk about their morning routines do you have a morning routine and i was like i was just beaming i was like oh do i ever i'm doing this thing i call it the miracle morning you know and um and uh, so it must have been after the two-month mark because i was already calling it miracle morning and uh and she said uh ah she's even though it was her idea she's like i don't know i'm not a morning person so i was like i know neither was i let me give you a few tips on here's how i beat the snooze button every morning right and i gave her the tips and um she's like all right i'll try it and she comes back two weeks later and I go, so did you get up an hour earlier like you committed to? She's like, not exactly. I said, okay. I said, what happened? She said, you were right. It was so good. I got up an hour earlier for the first three days and then I wanted more of what mm. that time was giving me. So then I bumped so it up good. to two hours earlier and I've been yeah. doing a two hour miracle morning for the last 11 days or whatever. And like, oh my, I went, oh my gosh. It worked for Katie too. And two weeks ago, she's like, I don't know. I'm not a morning person. I wasn't a morning person. This could work for anybody. So I heard teaching it to my, all my coaching clients, almost all of them, 13 out of 14. There was, again, there was that one. Um, there was that Sam Crowley in the group. You know? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and they're like, I'm not doing it. I, you know. And so, um, but most of them did it. And most of them were not morning people. And then that's when the light bulb went off. And I went, if it worked for me, it worked for them. This could work for anybody. I have a responsibility to write a book. Like, I don't like, how am I going to teach this other than I'm going to write a book. So I started writing the book. I'm a slow, slow, slow writer. It took me three years. And when I self-published it, um, Sam, like to be clear, kind of like you, when you started, right? Like I had no audience. I was not a known author. I didn't yeah. have, you know, I didn't have a hundred thousand people on my email list. I, I didn't have, I, I was, a, nobody knew who I was. And, but I, I was an optimist. So I set a goal for the first year to sell a million copies. And, and, and the way I framed the goal so that it would keep me really aligned with my purpose, it was to change 1 million lives one morning at a time. That was my mission when I launched the Miracle Morning. Um, but I had no idea how to reach a million people, so I just went, did everything I could possibly do. That year, I, I started cold soliciting podcasters like yourself, and it was just, I, I was in sales, so I knew it was a numbers game. I, I got on 152 podcast episodes, uh, or podcasts, um, I launched my own podcast. I did 52 episodes. I gave 36 speeches across the country. Uh, I paid a PR agency uh, money I did not have. It went on a credit card, and I got on 13 morning talk shows. Um, I engaged on social media every day. I'm probably missing a few things, but I did everything in my power to reach as many people as I could. The goal was a million, and there's such an important lesson here. At the end of the year, I had sold 13,000 copies. If you do some quick math, I was 987,000 copies short of my goal or 98.7% failure. Yeah. And I want you to I want you to really hear that, right? If you see if you hear the intro from Sam, "Oh, Miracle Morning sold 2 million copies." You automatically think like, "Oh, this, you know, this book is just different, right? It's it no. It started out as no you know, nobody knew who I was and I but I went like this. I went, "Okay, I'm discouraged." Because I did the math, Sam, at, at 13,000 copies a year, it's like 76.9 years to sell a million copies, at which time I would have been like 110 years old. So you're right? telling me there's a chance. There's a, there's chance. a chance. 
But I went, I dusted myself off and I was like, I'm going to try it again the next year. I'm going to try a million again the next year. That next year I sold 23,000 copies. So it was still a little depressing, but I was like, eh, it's a little better, you know. Um, at this rate, I'm going to get it done in like, you know, 50 years or whatever. Um, and I kept, I just kept going year after year after year after year after year. The Miracle Morning was my number one goal every single year. And it took six years to sell a million copies and reach over a million people. And now it's, it's actually over 3 million copies, I think now. Oh, wow. Um, somewhere in that neighborhood. But, uh, but here's, here's the biggest lesson if you're listening to this. And for you too, Sam, and for me, it's one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned through that experience is that when you finally get to the point in your life that you've been working so hard for, for so long, for me, it was six years later to get to a million. When you finally get to that point, you, you look back and you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. Yeah. Instead you look back and you go, Oh, it had to take six years. I had to go through the ups and the downs. I had to meet that person in year three that led to meeting that person in year four that led to that breakthrough in year five, right? And, um, and so if you understand that, that, that you're like, when you get to where you're going, A, you got to keep going until you get there, right? But B, main, be at peace while you're on that journey, like, don't wake up and go, oh, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where Sam Crowley is. I'm not like, I'm never going to get there. No, wake up and go, I'm going to do everything in my power today, even if that's just one step, to move in the direction of my vision for my life. And I know that if I keep moving in that direction, one step, one day at a time, I'll eventually get there. It might take me dec a decade, I don't know. But I know that when I do get there, I'm going to look back and I'm going to feel a sense of accomplishment and that the timing will be perfect. Yeah. Love all of that. Like Mike is dropping as you're talking because it's a, uh, it's a, I think the person you become along the way um, is way more important than the money you make or the achievements you get. I can't even tell you, man, in 20 years, I'm not the same guy. And my, my friends from you know the old days, but you've, dude, you've changed, you've changed. Hey, you think I worked this hard on myself to stay the same? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is hard work, man. This is hard work, you know, because I want so much more. You know, my mom left, uh, my dad left my mom to raise eight kids by herself. I just want to be a dad. I want to stick around. Celebrated mm -hmm. our 25th wedding anniversary last week. You know, that's a big deal, like, to stay married for 25 years in my family, you know, and to yeah. be a dad and be in the drop-off line, the pickup line, do the, you know, the ice cream runs to Dairy Queen. Those are, those are things that, you know, money can't buy. And in the, in the short amount of time we have left, you know, we kind of, you brushed over the cancer part of it, but man, that was such a moving part of your story and in the movie. And at the end of the movie, I'm not trying to give the spoiler alert away, but <laughs> I think everybody can probably figure out, you realize something about what you were chasing and what really matters in life. So in the yep. short amount of time we have left, can you just speak to that, what you thought life was about versus after you beat cancer, by the way, with a 20% survival rate, 20, 30% survival rate, you beat it, man. So amazing, amazing that just that story, that testimony, what'd you find out life was really about? Yeah. Life's about the people that you get to share it with. And the, uh, you know, I was chasing success. Uh, I was a, a workaholic. I said, I did everything for my family and I meant it, but it wasn't true. Um, I was, you know, it was a, it was an area of unconscious incompetence or whatever you want to call it. But, yeah. um, I, I, uh, I said it was all for my family, but I was doing it to, you know, achieve and grow. And yes, I wanted to take care of my family, of course. Um, but, but what I realized is this, and actually I'm, I'm a member of a group called front row dads, which have you heard of front row dads? I saw it in the movie. Oh, you should check it out, Sam. You'd I be, will. I'll it's, check it out. it's like yeah. one of the greatest write that down. groups I've ever been a part of. Um, and uh, it's the, the tagline is family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. Mm. And I'm friend with, friends with the founder. I was on the phone with him when he had the idea. And he's like, hey, I had this breakthrough in my own life that my kids are not going to remember. He goes, whenever somebody asks me, let me back up. Whenever somebody asks me what I do, I always answer professionally. I say, oh, I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm a coach. I'm a this. I'm a that, right? Yeah, and he yeah. said, oh, oh and, you know, and by the way, I'm a dad and I have a wife. And he said, I realized that that was backwards. And he said, at the end of my life, my kids are not going to remember how many mortgage payments I made mm. or how many books I sold or how many speeches I gave. They're going to remember how much time I spent with them, how engaged I was with them, how much fun 
we had together. And so he's, so, you know, and, and that was just this huge breakthrough for me of realizing that's what matters. What matters is the relationships you have. And I think that, you know, you mentioned you 25 years, congratulations on that. Um, there's something to be said about longevity in terms of relationships, right? Um, you know, I forgot who it was. I recently heard a quote where they said, hey, you know, I think it was Glenn Close. And they said, you've been married for, you know, 30 years or whatever. What's your secret? She said, never get divorced. <laughs> she said, because you're going <laughs> to want to get divorced uh, countless times. Mm-hmm. And some people act on it. Some people don't. She said, but if you don't, if you're really committed she said, you'll, you'll find a way and you guys will just figure it out. And she goes, it might take you a while, but you, you just, you know, you get through one conflict after another. And if you're both committed to the relationship, you figure it out. And I found that with my wife, we went through really difficult times where I thought, oh man, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Thank God I did. Cause we got over that. It's kind of like the lesson I gave a second ago, when you finally get to that point in your life, in your marriage, whatever, you know, it, uh, the timing's always perfect. And so, yeah, that's the biggest lesson I learned is what really matters are your relationships with the people that you love and the people that you lead. And I believe that the miracle morning, that was kind of my realization is the miracle morning initially was a selfish pursuit. Like I want to become better so I can achieve my goals. But what I realized is, Oh, wait a minute. The miracle morning helps me become better so that I can be a better dad and a better husband and a better son and a better brother and a better friend so that I can be the best version of myself to serve those I love and those I lead. And when I, when I strive to be the best version of myself in service of others, that's where I found the greatest fulfillment in life. I love that, man. What a great place to end on that. Cause that's what it really, really is about. Um, all of, all of that, what you just said. So a couple of things are going to come from this interview. Uh, number one, I'm gonna tell my wife that I was, she's gonna say, Hey, what are we doing this morning? Talking to my buddy, Hal, she's gonna say, you don't have any friends. So if I FaceTime you from my kitchen a little bit later, can you just like, totally. dude, I'll send you a 20 or whatever. Just I would love it, dude. Let's do it. My, that I have a friend. Okay. Let's and do his it. Name, and his name is Hal. Okay. Yeah. No, wait, did Number she watch one. the movie? Because that's even cooler. You're like, hey, the guy from the movie, right? And then, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. The movie star. Top Gun. Oh, yeah. No, better. <laughs> better than Top Gun. I'm talking yeah, about I have no friends. Movie. I got lots of friends. <laughs> <laughs> Hal, hey, uh, this was awesome, man. We, this can't be the only time we do something like this. This was a lot of fun, number one. Uh, I, know I, I know you hear this all the time, but, dude, congratulations for, number one, being a real one, you know, just being a real guy, being a stand-up dude, putting yourself out there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you shared in that movie that I know that put you in a vulnerable spot, but you have to, you have to understand how much that helps so many people all around the world that are feeling, does anybody get me? Like, does anybody? Yeah. Uh, watching that movie, going to themiraclemorning.com. Everybody go there. Everybody get the book, too. I mean, there's just so much great wisdom in there. Hal, we're going to wrap up the first. There's never a first. There's never a second. I mean, there's never a second first. I think I yeah. said that right. Of the Everyday Saturday Video Podcast. You were an amazing guest, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Sam. It is an honor, brother. I appreciate you. I feel like we are soul brothers. We are uh, friends for life, and uh, if there's anything that I can do to support you. (laughs) Yeah, tell your wife. Damn it, you show this recording. (laughs) For life. I have a friend. And it's for life, so she can never again say you don't have, yeah, you know, friends. Exactly, exactly. Appreciate you. Go to MiracleMorning.com. Check out Hal Elrod. Hal, I will talk to you again very soon, my friend. All right, you have a great day. Take care, brother. All right, we'll see you. And that's a wrap. Another Everyday Saturday podcast in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Would you do your boy a favor? Would you get on iTunes or wherever you listen to the Everyday Saturday podcast and leave a rating for the show? It helps amazing people like you find the show faster. And that's what I'm looking for, amazing people like you. Hey, I'm always hanging out on the interwebs. You can check me out on Instagram, at Everyday is Saturday. Let me know you're listening to the show. Love, 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 love hearing from fans of the Everyday Saturday podcast. And one last thing, when you're ready to launch, get on my calendar, go to launchwithsam.com. You and I are going to work together to set rocket fuel to your dream. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'll see you on the next Everyday is Saturday podcast.